It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey, friends, this is Andy. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you by KiteDesk. KiteDesk is the all-in-one sales development platform that lets you manage all of your sales development activities, such as email, direct dial phone calls, and your daily to-dos, all in one place to open up conversations, book more qualified meetings, and really create a predictable pipeline. KiteDesk Flow and KiteDesk Find allows us to find exactly the right people in the industries we're looking for, in the roles that we're looking for. That's KiteDesk customer Michael Orfis. Michael is head of sales at Stratified. In addition to the all-in-one management of his sales development team's days, KiteDesk helps him with another big part of his job. We have the ability with KiteDesk to do what we call targeted campaigns. Our conversion rate from what we were doing in the past to what we're doing now has been really massive. So you don't have to take tons of time to research, prospect, then blast large lists of people but never turn into sales opportunities. We're seeing higher clicks, we're seeing higher open rates, and without question, we've seen a massive increase in pipeline generation. So to learn more about KiteDesk, schedule a free demo, and learn how to create predictable pipeline at your sales organization, go to kitedesk.com forward slash accelerate. That's K-I-T-E-D-E-S-K dot com slash accelerate. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Tim O'Rain. He's the co-founder of PipeDrive, which is one of the leading CRM systems for the SMB, the small and mid-sized marketplace. Timo, welcome to Accelerate. Hello, everyone. Hey, Andy. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. So um, take a minute, maybe introduce yourself. We'll fill out that very sketchy introduction I gave. Uh, maybe tell us how you got your start in business. Yeah, absolutely. We... Um uh, we built a, a sales software, which is called PipeTribe, to help people around the world to manage complex sales processes. Um, and uh, we started that business about uh, six years from now, uh, or six years ago, sorry, in 2010, after having done uh, uh, for about a decade or 12 years of sales consultancy and training business, being one of the three partners there. And uh, and before that time, I was you know just pretty much a student doing uh, professional recruitment work as a, as a side. And b- even before that time, I was really a kid in Soviet Union, um, uh, right about the time it sort of collapsed as well. Um, and yeah, that, that's pretty much pretty much me going backwards. So, so yeah, as you mentioned, you just sort of threw out there, you grew up as a part of the Soviet Union and in Estonia, which is now an independent company, country. True. Uh, what was that like? I mean, what uh, and how did things change when for you and uh, when the you know Iron Curtain came down? I think to be really honest, I think most of the changes affected my parents more, or the you know the the next generation more than than me because I when I was you know about uh, what, 15, 16 years old, that's when it happened, and that's I think the age when you are a teenager, you're kind of, you know, getting away from home and you're learning the life anyway, right? So it, you don't really recognize what the system is because it's all new to you. And then, mm-hmm. but my parents, I think they went through a very difficult time, which is they had lived 
you know, worked about 20 odd years. Um, and then suddenly everything as a system point of reference changed. And I think even worse for, for their parents or my grandparents who uh, had worked like for a whole long time and then realized that, oh my God, now we, for example, um, you know, the pensions and, and the retirement period for them became really, really miserable uh, just because there wasn't any continu- continuity there and mm-hmm. then the country was you know, starting anew. But other than this, it's, it, it's been great being a part of, uh, uh, of not only building a company, but also being part of a, a country being built. I don't know how much I've contributed, but, uh, but I'd seen that from, uh, from the beginning uh, when you know, the country regained independence in 91 and, and towards what's, what's it become right now. Well, I mean, you employ a fair number of people in Estonia, so you are obviously are making a contribution. Yes, that way, yes. So, when you, what was the impetus to start Pipe Drive? I mean, what was the drive? What was the hole in the market you were trying to fill, or the pain point you were trying to solve? I, yeah, I, I sometimes look back. I don't think we were very wise. Uh, we were just sometimes we refer to the other co-founder from sales side. Uh, as two stupid salespeople. <laughs> I don't know why, but we kind of like to think that way when we are in a group of technology people, because then it kind of makes sense more. So um, we, we, we just, you know, we, we try to be really good in sales. And by the fact, I did get into sales uh, not thinking that I should be a salesperson. I didn't really think that that's my thing. But I somehow got sucked into these jobs and then later on realized that, well, that's what it is now. Um, so having done sales for about 10 or 12 years in, in a sales consultants and training business, we, um, we had tried, you know, different tools for sales management ourselves, because obviously, as you know, you know, when you want to be really professional uh, anywhere, you, you will have a habit of using some cool, you know, good tools to, to help you kind of not control, but to succeed, uh, secure your success mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and also get this sort of. Uh, the effect of repeated success and um and you know take you know take off some of the load you know just repeating stuff over and over when you have a good tool you can avoid all that um so we looked at different crm tools at the time early 2000 target act uh, and then dynamic salesforce and we did actually implement dynamics in a company which was about i think 50 50k us dollars to do for a small company about you know 15 to 20 people, that was a whole lot of money. And the problem was that we did notice quite early on that, you know, the people don't actually want to use it, even though the idea was that it's probably one of the best sales tools around at the time. It should help us. It's very functional. But the salespeople like us and, and other guys, you just you, you could see that they wanted to sell but not use the product. And then we ended up having, instead of, you know, implementing it and fully utilizing that money and getting the return on investment, all that good talk. We um, actually used, you know, post-it notes on the walls and we did use you know, spreadsheets, <laughs> forecasts, and, you know, these sort of things. So, uh, and then we realized that we're not the only ones. We thought at first we thought that we are the weird people, but, uh, but then we noticed that all the customers that came into our office and, and we asked, you know, what's the RM you use? And they said, you know, we have something, but people don't want to use it. And then we, you know, they noticed that some of the sort of analog world tools that we had, and they said, well, that would be cool. That would be, that could be really useful um, if we could use it, if it was a software. And then um, we started sort of, you know, looking at each other like, hey, what's going on here? And um, I don't think we were much smarter. We just at one point noticed that we, you know, don't use the tool that we have purchased for about 50K 
cost us a fortune. And we don't have a tool that we could find on the market. And I think that was the first time we realized that hmm, maybe we should build it. But that was, you know, far from us being serious because we really didn't have that sort of experience as far as technology, you know, guys or founders go. So but that was the starting point, yeah. That was the starting point. So when you were starting it, you were saying, look, we want to build something. And this is a question I'm sort of speaking as a statement. But was it your vision is to build something that the salespeople would use? To help them sell more, as opposed to the perspective of most CRM tools that salespeople have, is it's a command and control tool for management. Yeah, it kind of goes that way in, in businesses. Is that um, money and effectiveness starts to drive all these sort of decisions, and quite often that's the way it goes in, in businesses. That you buy things at, at the exact level. You sort of try to implement that at the mid-level, and then the users would have to try to use things at the whatever level they are. And uh, with CRMs, you could see that you know you could see that the, the you know the, the tools were built that way. And uh, and obviously, we felt that uh, um, you know the tools we didn't find um, you know the, the, you know, they weren't built the way that we thought they should be built for the salesperson's per- uh, benefit. And uh, and again, one other thing that we didn't think uh, very clearly or a sort of clear indication of that was that we thought that that's a really good way to build a business that would completely sort of neglect uh, or ignore the ultimate decision maker that we knew so much about in our you know days of doing enterprise business and, and consultancy. But uh, we thought that a product like that deserves to be out there and all the salespeople should have a chance to you know, use something that you feel at least that helps you along however much but you feel that it helps you along as you're using it rather than you know you're using it and you feel somebody else gets the benefit and you just have to do it so yeah that was that was one of the mindsets that we had about it and has that happened i mean is that the way it's turned out with the product that that usage is being driven by the sales reps yeah um uh, maybe oddly but <laughs> a little bit but uh but it's it's been great to see one thing, and I think it has to do also with the the emergence of SaaS uh, businesses mm-hmm. as, as a business model, is that people um, at one point in enterprises and anywhere really we have gotten so used to it, but ha- had the chance now to try things out, like free trials and all these sort of things. And it was very difficult to do when you had a on-premise or downloadable product, but but now you had a chance to try things out for about thirty days or fourteen days or whatever, and um, and then. You know, we were thinking that if people could do that in sales, they would have a chance to quickly evaluate whether this is for them and whether they could feel the, you know, the the, the help, and and that has happened. So we've been able to um, serve uh, customers really from all around the world uh, since we started, and and um, you know, we've been trying to grow with our customers, which uh, is not a sort of easy road. We know, knew that if we wanted to build a very strong. Uh, uh, product it has to take us uh, a number of years and number of different functions to really blend together in a way that they would be uh, you know functional from a point of view of a of a of a manager or executive but also useful from a point of view of a salesperson so that's quite a challenge well are you finding in the adoption of your product that you know maybe I'd sort of get the sense that maybe in the early days that there was a lot of sort of yeah, I'll call it guerrilla guerrilla update or adoption. Let's say where you know the field salespeople or the inside salespeople were were buying this for their own account, um, yeah. and then 
you know, eventually the sales manager would wake up one day and see that, you know, half a sales team had pipe drive. Is that, do you still see that pattern of adoption taking place as opposed to, you know, somebody buying an enterprise solution? Yeah, we do. And I think it's mainly because, uh, you know, our model largely is, is self-serve, which means that uh, people who pick it up could be anywhere and anyone in a company. And, uh, and we do have this sort of pattern. Yes. That you have a, a large company and, uh, and people from different, uh, you know, areas in this company, they start using it, or even in the same team. Um, yeah, you have cases when people use it and put it on their own credit card. Even sometimes happens, and uh, and then the question becomes, you know, when the the sales manager or sales exec will be aware of this or notified, and what they will do about it. So sometimes we've had cases where people then, you know, just approach us and say, hey, you know, we. It looks like our sales guys really want to use it, and then you know let's let's discuss this a little bit. So it, the conversation starts there, and then, and sometimes we you know don't see this because it's so self-serve, and they sort of make up their minds and and get up and running on their own. So there's no shortage of CRM systems for targeting the SMB marketplace. So what what sets PipeDrive apart from the other ones that are out there? Um. And it's that, like like it started. I mean, there's no shortage, which means that uh, the alternatives might must be from you know one end to another, um, and then probably also uh, a number of alternatives which are very similar to each other as well. And I do think that um, you know, while one answer could be the look and feel of everything that while you use the product, which I think is true in any sort of consumer uh, type of product. Um, that we kind of you know make the, the decision on sometimes just by you know how does it feel and look because most of the products do the same functions anyway. Um, but I think that uh, and I'm, I'm sort of throwing a maybe in here. Maybe the the ability to 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 strike the balance between uh, uh, a tool being useful uh, or functional, if you will, and then still being simple enough uh, for you to consider this as as my sort of day-to-day productivity tool instead of just becoming a sort of weekly reporting tool for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is difficult to do because uh, sales, as you know yourself, it's not just one thing that you do there. You have to be a master of of many different things. You have to be a master of communication, you have to be a master of scheduling and you have to have of your time and then you have to be a master of the sales battles in your head in, in a format of, you know, sales pipelines and and target lists and everything. And then somehow you need to sort of find a way where you have a tool where you can do all these sort of things. And, uh, and I think this is where it gets tricky uh, because you could have all the functionality and then lose the simplicity or you can have a very simple tool which just does lack a little bit of functionality and then you don't have it either um so maybe this this you know intent uh to strike that balance uh which has worked at least to some degree so that we have a a pretty good number of people um as our customers uh there's one proof i think Mm -hmm. um and the other thing which i've heard from uh several you know people in uh uh, in the management seats uh, in different companies is that you know, what we want at the end of the day is we want to do sales in a way that our focus is in the right place, you know, most of the time. It's going to wonder at times because we're human beings and then we, we think like, what if that deals come through and and then we kind of get lost a little bit from the basics. But but I think the, the, the sort of thing that I've heard repeated most has been, uh, well, that has, I mean, 
people using Fivetrive that has helped us change the culture in our sales organization for the better, for what, what for what we want it to be, which mm-hmm. is you know people focusing on what matters most. And I think what connects the people in sales is is that uh, what what the sales opportunities are like, what the sales forecast is like, and um, and we've we've tried to address that area more than any other. Yeah, it seems like one of the the virtues of the product is, as I look through what you're sort of doing, is your your the simplicity you talk about that you're really focused on, and let's say a mission, uh, which is to <laughs> to sell more, let's say, as opposed to sort of. I'll call it an engagement focus. You know that you know you got all these CRM systems integrating all the social contacts and so on and so forth into them. That that uh, yeah, sort of seem to get lost. It's almost sort of like they become more top of funnel oriented as opposed to you know let's see this through to completion oriented. Yeah, and I I, I you know that's my experience in sales is that you could have you could have had or you could have. I mean, all the help in the world, let's put it that way. I mean, all the, you know, information, intelligence about certain prospects and customers, and you could have people helping you, you know, schedule your things and, you know, all these things. But at the end of the day, if you really want to get things moving in sales and move, you know, deals towards a close, it requires you to perform. So it basically is up to you whether you actually are able to take the steps and complete them with a prospect and get these agreements and this sort of so it becomes simpler um than it actually sort of feels like when you sort of enter this job um and there are certain things that you have to do really well in order to be successful but you have to do it in a you know repeatedly basically so yeah we 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 probably lose you know if you compare uh the functionality or features of pipe to any other uh alternative tool i think we'll lose um you know, because of having less uh, features, but I, I do think that you need to, you know, sort of strike that balance. Yeah, well, I mean, it's certainly a, a case where less can be more for sure. Um, so, you talk about there's a proven sales methodology that drives pipe drive, which seems to be very sort of activity based. So, what is that process, and and how does it improve outcomes? It's it's how you look at sales, really. Uh, I mean, and like I said before, I, I entered the world of sales with a clear conviction that nobody buys anything from me. So that's that's my starting point. And then, you know, as I went through it, uh, tried to learn in doing different types of sales. Um, well, I got to the point where you can view it from at least two very separate angles. One is that uh, sales is is the deal, right? That you close it, and that's what sales is about. Um, or you could view it from a process or from the angle of the process of how you get from A to B or, you know, from prospect, uh, to actual, you know, customer. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've always noticed that that when I do this work or when I, I witness somebody else do it is that all the people who are able to sort of, um, double down on a process and, and really uh, uh, try to control what they can control, which is just the steps that they take in this process, they will eventually be more successful, even if it's not like outright obvious from the get-go, uh, as you spend more time, uh, the difference will be there. Whereas when you have the focus on the results, um, it can sometimes get quite ugly um either you know the customers and prospects have these stories when they can see salespeople approaching them and you know dollar signs in their eyes and everything or you just 
you know, you get really sidetracked by, by like I mentioned before, so by certain really, really big deals and all these sort of things. And, and then you want to close them and you think that the closing of a deal is like the, like the everything. Um, so yeah, we've tried to design, you know, the whole process of sales and, and, and Pytro is pretty much, you know, based on this as well, um, around the process rather than around the result, which is definitely out of your, your, um, influence and your control in sales, as you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, and I agree with that hundred percent. I mean, I, I, in my books, you know, that's, that's what I completely focus on control what you can control. Don't worry about the outcomes because you'll get, you'll achieve the outcomes if you decide control, worry about your process and the elements that you can control. So one key thing that that's really of interest to me, and especially when I talk to people like yourself that have started companies producing CRM systems and their marketing is, is there's always a lot of talk around sales productivity and, and you make reference to it, uh, I know in your marketing materials about make, I think the statement is make time your friend by increasing sales productivity. So to me, that's, that's a phrase that gets tossed around pretty casually. So what is sales productivity in your mind? Yeah, you can look at it. I think, you know, sort of mathematically, um, which is for me is just uh, some some sort of performance is required uh, in order to um, you know get the results at the end of a period, whether whether it's a day or a week or a month or quarter. Um, so uh, you know productivity productivity in that sense could be defined as you know anything or you know every anything and everything you do that that helps you uh, perform um, and uh, you know helps you become productive let's put it that way because you know what you produce uh, from a word of productivity is, is is the results really without having that direct control and then and, and when i think about then productivity tools you know crms can be these they they may not be uh if they're not helping you be more productive something completely different could be a productivity tool um I do remember that my when I did door-to-door sales once, uh, my productivity tool was my sort of goal card, where I just listed the different uh, types of actions that uh, that I was supposed to be doing, uh, a certain certain amount of them, and I just kept track of how far along I am, you know, as I went through my day. So you know that helped me be productive. I knew how much I had to do and how much I had done, and sort of like my sort of internal GPS, if you will. Um, and um, yeah, when you ask this question that openly, what is sales productivity? I think that's the first thing that comes to mind. Obviously, then you can go a bit deeper and then start talking about there is sort of like uh, hard work and smart work of uh, of of you know peace in this productivity, and and you can talk about you know pipeline performance metrics and everything else. But I would just you know keep it as is, as I said right now. Well, I asked the question because it's it's a topic that I've written about, I've spoken about. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like we we as an industry sort of miss the boat about to when we talk about sales productivity because if you look at a an economic measure of productivity, it's it's going to be you know a measure of a unit of output per <laughs> you know the investment of a unit of input, right? And so. You know, it's we measure it economically. We talk about you know dollars produced per hour of labor input, mm-hmm. and so when I look at at how you the ultimate measure of productivity for sales, given that you've got a fixed amount of time that people can be available to sell, is to me it's it's a revenue dollar per hour invested of you know of sales time, real selling time. 
And yet, and that then you'll know, since you know what your inventory of hours is, of sales hours, uh, you'll be able to really measure true productivity of your sales team. But it, it doesn't seem like there are any tools out there that really do that. I mean, I've, I've worked in environments where we, we did all that measurement by hand. Uh, and so I would, I knew as a VP of sales exactly how many dollars per hour somebody could produce. And we were selling large, complex million dollars plus systems. Yeah. But in that case, I, c- I could really tell, um, uh, cause we collected time down to the, you know, the 15 minute increment of what people were working on. Mm-hmm. It seems like until we really start focusing on productivity from that perspective, all we're really talking about is performance, but not true productivity within sales. And it seems like. It seems like that that has to come from the CRM vendors. Probably is the best tool, perhaps for that that sort of measurement to start. I agree. I, I, I do think that that's uh, that can be done at the very sort of simple level, as you as you put it, and uh, it can become from from a CRM vendor or or, or a tool provider. Um, but only I think happens if or can happen if if that tool obviously gets used and. Uh, and then you can, you know, make sense of what's going on. Like you said, that like you measured the days. I mean, fifteen-minute increments. So, you know, whatever the tool is that people use, while you, you know, measure these sort of things, then you get the data. And uh, and if not, then you just don't have the data. So the, I think, but you know, good, you know, sales management or CRM tool, whatever you call it, uh, has has a pretty good chance of of helping people, um, in, especially in a sort of more managerial ex- executive positions, figure out what's the productivity that could be there and, and what is actually happening. So, yeah, because I mean, um, I think if you give an example, you know, and I do this when I speak to groups, I'll ask, you know, CEO, well, so what's your what's the length of your average length of your sales cycle? And they'll yeah. say they'll say, well, you know, sixty days. I said, okay, so how many hours of sales time is that? No clue. Mm-hmm. Right, no clue whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, digging. Right, and and I'm like, well, okay, well, how do you measure productivity if you really don't know the answer to that question? The ultimate productivity. I mean, we can talk about performance, but you know, and so you know, people say, oh, gosh, we're going, to, you know, we're getting our our pipeline statistics report out of out of our CRM system, and you know, this is our average length of our sales cycle. Let's reduce that as opposed to saying, yeah, in that. Three months are only spending five hours a time, or maybe we're spending a hundred hours a time. How do we get that down to sixty and reduce? If we do get that sixty, we're going to reduce that sixty days to thirty days. Yeah, and and what you're talking about, referring to as well, is is, is the level that you actually have um, some sort of control over, which is your time and and then your actions exactly. within that time. Exactly. And, um, that's why. That's where. That's where yeah. it sort of triggered the thought as you're talking about because that is you can control that. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in, in that sense, you can, you know, having that sort of a robust framework or tool, which sort of understands that that's the only thing that you can really do and, and, and have an influence on. I mean, that, well, that's, that's the goal for us is to help people, uh, obviously, you know, get a better sense of what, what, what they have in their hands in terms of time and, and, and how many hours and what they can really do. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I mean, building a, a tool for, for people in sales, uh, it is, 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 is not the easiest job in the world. Uh, there are a lot of different challenges that have to be tackled really well, but I, I completely, completely agree on the, on the fact that, uh, uh, real productivity, productivity has to force us to talk about the, uh, the action that you can, you can take and then you then take, and then, you know, you can see what's the difference. 
Yeah, and I, I think this, I mean, back to your original point, though, simplicity is the key because people have to use the tool, right? That, to me, is the big barrier to adoption with CRM that, that everybody talks about is that, you know, the reason it's not being used is not just because salespeople think it's sales managers prying into what they're doing, but it's it's also the perceived complexity of using it. True, and I think salespeople are probably the, I mean, most brutal force, but also probably the best force to um, to sort of signal uh, the usefulness of, of such product and whether whether you have a productivity tool in right now in their hands. And if it's not, you know, you've been used, so probably probably not the best productivity tool for your, either your business or team or, or you know, at all. Um, but yeah, if it, if it gets used, it is probably helping people be productive. Now the question is, how much does it help you to figure out the actionable uh, sort of action metrics uh, within your sales efforts? Mm-hmm. So, sort of last question about CRM systems is: is what do you see the future holds for CRM systems? I mean, how do you how do you see you know this tool evolving? You know, because there's a lot of you know been an explosion of sales enablement, quote unquote, sales enablement technologies. You know, in addition to CRM, you know, let's say outside of CRM systems, I and mean, people tend not to lump. CRM into the enablement pool, but so yeah, you know, I think we're seeing some beginnings of overlap and so on. So, where do you see the future being for CRM? Well, I think some of the things it's it's quite evident from now, uh, which which is just great. Uh, first of all, that the business, um, well, there used to be uh, almost like an aura uh, around business software that that when you said business software, that meant you you, you referred to something very clunky. And something that was really difficult to use, and all this stuff, and everybody sort of was, was just you know kind of you had to do it. I mean, but but nowadays I think uh, the really good trend there is that uh, all this type of software gets more and more consumerized, even even if it's being produced by companies which have been out there for for a long time. So I think that's a really good trend, and I I think that continues uh, that you have a uh, you know people uh, trying to make sure that people in sales actually get a good good benefit out of it. Um, it. It won't be sort of straightforward, but I, I, I believe that that sort of a trend continues. Then the different barriers, which, you know, some years ago were quite evident that you had, a, you know, different communication tools and then you had different time management tools and then you had some other sort of, you know, statistical tools or whatever. I, I think there's a great chance of these sort of things blending into, um, I'm not saying one, but more or less, uh, I mean, from, from the perspective of, of people in sales so that they don't really kind of feel the difference. They, they, they probably have a tool in a hand, which, which helps them, you know, carry out the jobs and tasks that they have. And, and they don't really know how it's, it's, it's done, but, uh, but somehow you can, you can have all the, you know, necessary tasks done and, and, uh, and, and it's sort of, you know, helps you along. Um, so, but, but from a perspective of, of people building these tools, I think that's what, that's what happens is that these sort of, um, either through integrations or, or however things are built, but, uh, uh, the barriers or the borders between different types of tools will be less and less, uh, in order to create, I think, uh, a tool which, which helps salespeople, because I think, um, I mean, that, that is an area which, which I just see that this is where it's going because otherwise there's no way to win the salespeople over. Yeah, well, I think it, it, it presents an interesting challenge to think about relative to the industry because, 
yeah, on one hand, there's this temptation to say, yeah, we're going to, these tools are become more consolidated, but the more consolidated into one platform, let's say these multiple tools become, then this whole issue of simplicity starts coming to the fore again. And mm-hmm. if you lose the simplicity, then you're going to lose the adoption. You're going to lose the usage. You're not going to get the data that should be coming off. And you know the benefits of using it. So I think it's I think it's you know not an easy question for for the industry to really sort of answer. Is yeah, how do we how do you logically stitch these together in a way that still makes it usable by the salespeople? Yeah, I do think you know. Now, human beings kind of want to know the future, and then I think we only smart really in retrospect. But uh, but we want to kind of like, you know, <laughs> see the things ahead, and then and so I, I've I had a chance to visit one of the one of the professional guitar makers um, and uh, East Bay, and 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 uh, he had a number of different tools, all made by himself, and then he used them, and you can see that you know he did a I think he had about like four or five distinct tools that we, he was always using to make sure that he can get the most quality out of the guitar that he was making. And, uh, and he had honed them over the years and it could easily be that, you know, you, you, you still have a few products, uh, or tools in your hand if you do sales. I mean, uh, I, I can't imagine like everything melting into absolute one device hardware or, or software blend. But, but, uh, but what what has to happen uh, one way or the other is that tools are, you know, sort of simple enough to use, so that you don't, like you said, have this perception of complexity. And you, as soon as you have it, you just you drop it because you know that I'm not, I'm not uh, being paid to to use that. I'm being paid to actually talk to people, get them to agree on you know things and 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 make deals happen. So so I'm I'm not going to use something that I perceive to be complex. So. So that's the first challenge, and then has to continue that, that that you have something simple. But then the question becomes, which you also referred to, is that how can you build um, things which are perceived to be as simple, but then you know have the necessary integration pieces there, so that you know, different tools are brought into one for these people in sales to perform the jobs. I mean, different tools from different sort of kind of categories like time management mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and communication so that's that's quite interesting to me is how how things how these things are pushed forward so it's a i believe a lot of nice creations ahead yeah yeah it seems like but I, I love your your story about the uh, the guitar maker and the the tools that he used that worked because i'm sure there are uh machine tools or you know automation you know some sort of automation s- solution that he could probably bring to bear in his business, but uh, this is what works for him. Yeah, and, and, and I think that also the reason I brought this next example is it's, it's we can think of sales that only sort of there's only a need for a human being and then some super machine which, you know, makes that human being also very super. But um, but that's sort of like guitars are made also in factories where everything is taken care of. I, I, I'm not saying robots, but but there's sort of a lot, lot of machinery involved. But then sales... Um, a lot of these sort of complex sales world where, where, you know, stakes are high, right? A lot of stakeholders, you know, long sales cycles and, and, and high value of, of any single deal. Uh, it's primarily made, and I do think that all these sort of negotiations will happen forever and ever between human beings. I mean, that's where we sort of feel that we, uh, you know, make the right sort of agreements happen. Then the question is, what do you use then? And then you're free to use anything. Um, so that's why I said that, you know, you had a, Guitars could be built in a factory, which means that there might be a very good 
industrial tool uh, that everybody could use and make these sort of things happen. But then you have these sort of you know single units as salespeople, and they use their own tools, and they they kind of like decide what's what's best for them, and and they have uh, you know they they have the craft, and and what comes out is a, a successful result because sales is. You know, a lot of it is emotional uh, that happens, and, mm-hmm. and and it's done with a high degree of confidence. And somebody else, you know, might be doing exactly the right things, but without that sort of confidence, and nothing happens. Yep. So it's it's quite interesting to see. Very much so. And um, now we get to the last segment of the show, Timo, where I, I uh, pose some standard questions to all my guests. And first one's a hypothetical scenario that you're the star of, where you've just been hired. You, Timo, have just been hired as VP of sales at a company whose sales have stalled out, and the CEO, the board are anxious to hit the reset button, get things back on track. So, what two things could you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Hmm. Good one. Um, yeah, I'd, uh, I, I would definitely not be the person to go in and say, "Hey, guys, I know it all." Uh, <laughs> he's a cookie cutter. But um, uh, if this scenario involves a, a history of some sort um, and uh, performers um, also from that you know, company, but people in this company, really in this team, I would try to, uh, first of all, find out what has worked when things worked. Um, and quite often you get that, you know, the simplest thing you can do is, is you can just have interviews with people and then talk to them and, and try to make sense of, when things were clicking, what normally um, was made happen, and what were the things that people actually did, um, and uh, that probably helps you, uh, helps me at least, uh, to you know map out the sort of the process that people follow when when things work, and and uh, certain steps they take that uh, lead to sort of um, you know next success and eventually to overall. Um, but I think the problem is that uh, you, you don't really know which people have um, the best uh, sort of, how can I put it, indication of future success because you know that hasn't happened. And uh, um, I think the question for me would be to realize: was it more uh, that people stopped doing the things that have had you know gotten them to be successful, mm-hmm. uh, like overall, or was it more that some of the conditions outside? Um, outside of the, you know, control, um, you know, competitive landscape or, or just changes in the whole economy, uh, in the, in the, in the lives of the, of the potential customers or, or in the product sphere or, you know, in the, in the marketing of you know, the product, whatever. I mean, just, just trying to see what happened, uh, in the whole big scheme and then, you know, trying to make sense that we at least, uh, are doing our best first like we put we put the you know the performance in that that is necessary and then measure these actions that we actually do it because it's uh i think it's very easy to sort of get carried away or oh, we have a very difficult situation we need to change everything i don't think that should be the case but let's get back to the basics would be my first thing to sort of realize what have been the basics that have mm-hmm. led to mm-hmm. that success and then trying to see if we can uh, get, you know, the, the, you know, the people that were able to do it uh, to sort of lead, lead the way and, and, and people who maybe were not as able to see if they can join the forces. And, uh, and if not, then obviously also you can uh, uh, have a case or uh, that, that you should hire um, some other people to, to join and hopefully form a sort of a good team with some blood in it as well. 
But I think the beautiful thing is that you can get a lot from from the people who have done the job and have done really good job as far as performers. But the trick there is, I think, not to look at the results only, but also the action that went in. Because in different sales jobs, sometimes it can easily mislead you. Mm-hmm. Okay, great answer. So now it's just some of a few rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers or elaborate if you wish. So first sure. one is when, when you, Timo, are out selling pipe drive, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Uh, attribute being strength. <laughs> I would say uh, if it's really me and if it's me selling pipe drive, then the most powerful attribute would be um you know, the process that we've set up for you to find this tool on your own and, and get it up and running on your okay. own and us really never having a time to meet. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of tricky. Answer, <laughs> That's okay. We'll go with it. So next question, who's your sales role model? Hmm. I'll just go with no particular person. Uh, I do have a number uh, of people that are very good sort of authors and speakers, but I would go with anybody that I've seen who, who dares to be themselves in sales. Um, that's quite tough to do mm-hmm. in the world of sales, but whoever I've seen doing that, first of all, admiration, and second of all, I've quite often seen the success follows. Interesting. The second person recently has given that answer. I like that. Um, so what's one book? You'd recommend every salesperson read. Like honestly, mm-hmm. um, doesn't have to be a sales book; could be any book. No, yeah, I know. Um, I, I have to go with the one that influenced me most during the you know the most difficult sales type, or type of sales that I've done, which was a booklet, which was called "The Common Denominator of Success" by Albert Gray. It was not supposed to be a book. It's actually a speech um, from more than 100 years ago. Um, but this booklet uh, somehow contains, in a very short format, contains so many things that I've gotten wrong in sales, personally, mm-hmm. that I've been able to get right again after reading it. So um, somehow, small, less is more in you know that sort of experience for me. Excellent. Well, good. I'll have to look that up. Okay, last question for you, and sounds like you'd have an answer because you're a guitar. <laughs> sounds like you're a guitar player. What music's on your playlist right now? What music's on my playlist? Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm sort of a. I can I can listen to the same old songs over and over. So ever since I uh, first listened to the Beatles, I can still listen to it. So it's still on a playlist. Um, but the very recent one, not the very, very recent one, but, uh, George Ezra, um, mm-hmm. one and, um, and a number of different sort of, uh, I put it, finger style type of guitarists like Thomas Lee, um, jazz players. So, so I, and also I added the birds recently because I found, um, you know, the, the their story and their journey very interesting to kind of get more knowledge about. Okay. So what type of guitar do you play? Uh, I have an acoustic and I also have some kind of a traveling electric uh, that I, you could take and put it in a luggage. Um, very short version of that. But uh, yeah, acoustic guitar, 
six string, even though I've, I've had a 12 string, which sounds amazing, but I don't have it right now. <laughs> Do you play in a band? I don't. I just uh, play on my own and uh, try to see if I can take five minutes of my day a week. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But I've been in a sort of you know school type of band or whatever you call mm-hmm. it, so that has happened. All right, very interesting. Well, Timo, thanks for joining me. Tell people how they can find out more about you and about Pipe Drive. Andy, again, thank you for inviting. It's been a pleasure. And um, you know, if you are in sales and if you do feel that you need some uh, something, some kind of a tool to help you control your process and 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 make sure you 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 keep your head at what is really um, the most important thing for you to do next, then uh, you know, go into uh, website, you know pipetry.com and uh, sign up for a trial and see if it works for you. Uh, it has worked for a number of dis- different you know, businesses regardless of the industries, uh, but it's also always you know, important for you to see if, if that's the case for, for, for your business model and, uh, and your industry. Okay, excellent. Well, again, thanks for being on the show. And friends, remember, make it part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success and One easy way to do that is take a minute and subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. And that way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Tim O'Rain, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.